Today's podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Chapter American Academy of Pediatrics. The Ohio AAP promotes the health, safety, and well-being of children and adolescents so they may reach their full potential. We accomplish this by addressing the needs of children, their families, and their communities, and by supporting chapter members through advocacy, education, research, service, and improving the systems through which they deliver pediatric care. Welcome to episode one of two of the podcast series, Atopic Dermatitis, Improving Care in Diverse Populations. My name is Chris Peltier, and I am the president of the Ohio chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, and it's my pleasure to serve as your moderator for these two podcasts. This series is an educational supplement to the Ohio chapter's American Academy of Pediatrics Atopic Dermatitis Quality Improvement Program. The program is currently enrolling pediatric primary care participants and runs through September of 2023. Completion of the Chapter AD program will earn healthcare providers 25 points of MOC Part 4 credit, as well as a cash stipend. Did you know that less than 50% of children of color with severe eczema are properly treated for it? Over the course of this podcast, we are pleased to have two pediatric dermatology experts with us who are working hard to increase the percentage of children who are treated for eczema, as well as educating primary care physicians on how to do this. Let's meet our panel. Our first presenter is Patricia Treadwell. Dr. Treadwell is a board certified um, in pediatrics and dermatology, as well as a fellow of the AAP and the American Academy of Dermatology. She is a graduate of Cornell University School of Medicine and completed residencies in pediatrics and dermatology at the Indiana University Medical Center. In 1983, she became an assistant professor of pediatrics at dermatology at IU School of Medicine and is now professor emeritus of pediatrics and dermatology. In addition, she is special advisor to the dean and clinical diversity officer at IU School of Medicine. Dr. Treadwell has been involved with issues of healthcare inequities for much of her medical career. She has been a practicing pediatrician at Forest Manor Community Health Center in a medically underserved area in in Indianapolis, one half day weekly for the past 30 years. Dr. Treadwell is the immediate past president of the Society for Pediatric Dermatology and is the AAP Dermatology Section appointed member of the recently formed EDI Committee for the, sec- for the Society for Pediatric Dermatology. She is also past chair of the AAP Dermatology Section. Dr. Treadwell received the Alvin H. Jacobs Award from the AAP Section on Dermatology in recognition of her outstanding contribution to the field of pediatric dermatology. This is awarded in 2015 at the Society for Pediatric Dermatology annual meeting in Boston. She also received the Breakthrough Woman Award presented at the Coalition of 100 Black Women in 2016. And she was awarded the Woman Warriors Award from the Indianapolis chapter of the Lynx in 2018. Dr. Treadwell, thanks for joining us. Our second speaker is Dr. Esteban Fernandez Faith. Dr. Fernandez Faith is Associate Professor of Pediatrics and Dermatology at The Ohio State University and Program Director of the Pediatric Dermatology Fellowship at Nationwide Children's Hospital. He attended medical school at the University of Costa Rica, completed his dermatology residency at Cleveland Clinic and Pediatric Dermatology Fellowship at Northwestern University. He maintains board certification in both dermatology 
and pediatric dermatology. Dr. Fernandez Faith is committed to advancing the care of pediatric skin disorders through research, medical education, and patient care. His academic interests include laser surgery, vascular anomalies, and diversity, equity, and inclusion, areas in which he is actively involved in clinical research. Dr. Fernandez Faith serves on many national organization committees and is an active member of the Pediatric Dermatology Research Alliance, Skin of Color, and Pigmentary Focus Study Groups. Dr. Fernandez Faith, thank you also for joining us. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Um, Dr. Fernandez Faith, just give us a little bit of background on what is atopic dermatitis and eczema and, and why as primary care pediatricians, you know, what are we going to be seeing and why should we be worried about it? Yes, uh, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for having us. It is wonderful to join you today to talk about this very important topic. And, and, and I think it is, it is important to start with some background, um, atopic dermatitis or, or eczema. And these are really terms that we use very, very synonymously. So this is a common and chronic inflammatory um, skin condition, which typically starts early on in life. It usually starts either in infancy or in early childhood, although it could really start at any point. It could start later on as well. And as we know, it is a condition that is characterized by a very dry, very itchy and irritated um, skin. And it is characterized by this chronic uh, waxing and waning type of, of condition. So there's gonna be some periods of time when it's going to be more calm, other times it's going to be more flared up. Uh, and that's going to be very viable for, for each patient. I think we have come to understand eczema um, a lot better uh, now. We know it is a very complex condition. We know it is a, a, a multifactorial uh, skin condition. We know that, for example, the skin barrier plays a very, very important role. We know patients with eczema tend to have a defective um, skin barrier, which is what makes their skin drier, it makes it flaky, it makes it uh, more prone to irritants and, and to external, um, to environmental um, allergens or environmental irritants. We know also there is a, an important genetic component. Um, as I mentioned, there are external or environmental factors that may play a role as well in the, in the flare-ups or even in the, in the start of the, of the inflammation. We have also come to understand much better the role that microbiome uh, plays in atopic dermatitis. And so that's, that's a very interesting, interesting topic that we're learning more and more. Um, and, and really all of these leads to an immune response um, that ends up in inflammation, which is what we see on the skin as this very um, irritated, very itchy, dry, um, dry skin. As I mentioned, eczema is a, it's a very common uh, skin condition. It's probably one of the most common uh, skin conditions that we see in, in children. And depending on the study that we look at, uh, so some studies that have suggested that you know, up to 20% of children in the United States have eczema, which is pretty, uh, a pretty staggering uh, number of, of children with, with eczema. And uh, very importantly for, for our topic today is that there are several studies, some population-based studies in the US that show that eczema is even more prevalent in, in black children, but also it, not only it's more prevalent, uh, it's more common, but also black children and children with skin of color are more likely to develop severe eczema. So not only is more common, but these this kids tend to have um, uh, more trouble with it, more persistent disease. They will tend to uh, require more doctor visits and, and their condition is a little bit uh, tougher uh, to, to control. So, so this really becomes a very important topic in, in diverse populations, it, it becomes a very important topic in patients with skin of color. 
You know, and I think that's really important that you mention that because, you know, I, as unfortunately we know that, um, you know, uh, oftentimes um, children with skin of color are going to um, be faced with more social determinants of health. You said often they require more visits to our healthcare providers and things like transportation and access to care can definitely be an issue. And, and we're definitely going to highlight those um, uh, in this series later on. So thank you. Dr. Treadwell, anything else you would like to add? No, I think that was a very good introductory um, presentation. Great. Well, um, actually, I'm, I'm going to turn to you now and, and have you talk a little bit about the clinical presentation of atopic dermatitis, and then especially highlighting in, in skin of color. And, and one of the things that Dr. Shredwell did not list in her bio, which is probably the most important, was that she trained me um, when I was a pediatric resident at Riley. And the one thing, I, I learned many things from Dr. Shredwell, but, but you know, just that notion of eczema is an itch that rashes. And, and I sort of really carried that. And that's one of the things I explained to parents. So um, Dr. Troll, if you wouldn't mind just kind of walking us through a little bit of the clinical presentation. Okay. Uh, I think our particular focus today is on skin of color. And um, one of the issues is the clinical presentation being a little bit different in uh, skin of color. With the darker skin tones, they're the erythema may not be as noticeable. And with that in mind, um, many of the scales that we use, scoring scales, have erythema as a specific, um, a, a specific criteria for estimating the severity of the disease. Uh, because of that, if the erythema is underestimated, the severity is underestimated in skin of color. Um, one of the issues is that the very richly pigmented skin, the erythema may not be evident at all. When these children are diagnosed with a lower severity, then it becomes an issue in terms of treatment, uh, that the treatment may be underestimated um, and not as aggressive as it needs to be. Um, another issue is that we might see more papular eczema in, in skin of color, uh, which will look like eczematous papules that will be scattered in very specific areas. Um, many of the areas where we usually see the typical um, atopic dermatitis or eczema. One um, last issue in this segment that I wanna uh, talk about is the dispigmentation. Uh, dispigmentation meaning hypopigmentation or hyperpigmentation. This does occur more often in uh, children with skin of color. And uh, because of that, uh, that is an issue that needs to be addressed with the parents because that tends to be an issue that concerns the parents, whether the pigmentation will come back, if the darker pigmentation will become lighter. And also, I think Esteban is going to cover this later um, with regard to uh, some of the side effects of treatment, but talking to the parents about the fact that some of these pigmentary changes are due to the disease and not necessarily due to treatment. Great. Thanks for highlighting that. I know I get that question a lot. Um, and, and so many parents are, are worried about using topical corticosteroids. And I know we're going to talk about treatment. Um, you know, you, you mentioned um, that it, it's often, uh, you know, 
underdiagnosed and, and the severity. Do you see that not only with, with healthcare providers, but also does, does that, is it safe to assume that the parents of children of skin and color may not recognize that this is an issue and may delay in seeking care? Actually, the parents are probably better at it than we are um, because they're used to what their skin, um, their child's skin looks like. And we'll actually know that there's some erythema. And I've told practitioners before, if you're not sure, um, you can ask the parents if anything has changed. And, and they will be able to describe that it, it looks different um, and possibly even say that it's more red than it used to be. Great. And that's one of the reasons we're doing this, this project is to really educate healthcare providers, primary care pediatricians and family physicians in recognizing that. So thank you. Dr. Fernandez, Faith, anything you want to add to sort of clinical presentation of, of atopic dermatitis and skin of color? Yeah, I, w- I wanted to add that uh, because of this issue of, of the erythema or the redness not being as easily recognized, um, and maybe the diagnosis is, is made a, a little bit later than, than we would like. Not, not unusually patients with darker skin types will come with kind of later stages of, of eczema. So not unusually we'll see more lichenified eczema, which means just those kind of very thick plaques that result from the constant itching, itching and scratching, scratching, and the skin gets, gets really thick. Um, or, or some patients may present with what we call parigonodules or these very kind of, these very big bumps that, that, that result from, from the constant scratching. And so, so, we may not see these patients in the early stages because because of that erythema, that redness, is not as as readily visible or as or as noticeable. So, I, so I, I think it is very important to train our eyes, our clinical eyes, to recognize that inflammation and that it might have very kind of different hues of of color. Great, thank you. So as we all strive to provide more culturally competent care in our pediatric medical homes. Um, Esteban, would you mind sort of walking us through a little bit some of the cultural preferences and practices that, that we have to think about when we're providing care to children and families of skin of color when they present with atopic dermatitis? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think this is a very important topic. Being a, a skin condition, um, of course, skin care is, is fundamental in the management of, of these patients, in the management of, of eczema. And, and when we talk about the care of the skin and, and the care of hair as well, we have to very, be very mindful of different cultural practices or, or cultural beliefs. When it, when it comes to, to skin, I think we all come with our own kind of history and our own baggage of traditions or, or, or you know, cultural differences that sometimes can be hard to, to let go of. Um, so, for example, what is the, the, the preferred formulation of the moisturizer or the preferred formulation of the medication, the topical medication that we're going to, to use. In general, for eczema, we like to use kind of thicker moisturizers, thicker uh, formulations, something kind of like more in an ointment base, something that's a little bit greasier, maybe petrolata based. But if the family or if the patient are gonna hate that formulation, they're really not gonna use it, even if it's the best, the best treatment option. So we, we, we really have to you know, ed- educate ourselves about the different types of formulations, and also ask the family what their preference is. Do they prefer to use a cream? Do they prefer to use um, an ointment? In general, for eczema, I prefer to use ointment-based uh, formulations. Sometimes the creams can cause a little bit of a, of a burning effect initially when the skin is very irritated. So if there's a bad flare, ointments tend to work a little bit better, and then we can switch to a cream that is 
you know, maybe more, um, more acceptable to the patient or to, or to the family. And this really becomes very important, particularly with adolescents. Adolescents may not want to go to school feeling or looking all greasy. So we have to be very mindful of their, of their preferences as well. We can give them the best medication and, and, and uh, recommend the best moisturizer there is, but if they're not going to use it, of course, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to work. Another another practice that I think it's important to bring up is the use of, of natural oils and essential oils. So for some of our patients, this may be part of their culture, this may be part of their of their traditions, but for others, it may just be part of a trend. I think uh, particularly essential oils have become very uh, trendy, very popular, uh, not only for the use in different uh, skin conditions or skin issues, but for other, other conditions um, as well. And I think it is very important to know that many of these uh, essential oils um, or quote unquote natural oils may contain some extra ingredients, some extra fragrances that in a patient who doesn't have a skin condition may not be an issue. But in a patient who already has dry, irritated skin, whose skin barrier is not perfect, these extra ingredients may actually cause um, an irritant reaction or sometimes even an allergic reaction, of course, making, making eczema. Uh, worse. And so products even that are labeled as, as natural sometimes may not be the best for, for our patients. I'm, I'm not saying that the oils are, are bad, but I think we have to be careful. And I think it's important to, um, to educate the parents on what things to look for, what products may cause more, more of a flare, uh, not to use many things at the same time, because if there is a flare, then we don't know if it's one of the products that is causing that um, that flare or that um, or that um, irritation, and and really, I think something interesting, you know, maybe going a, a step back, um, the the incidence and the prevalence of eczema is is not the same in other parts of the world. So it is actually lower in other parts of the world. So here in the United States, um, the term eczema is a very common term, and, and and most people have heard it, and most people understand what what eczema is. But in other parts of the world, uh, not a lot of people have actually heard the term eczema, and we have to spend a little bit more more time explaining what it is, explaining that it's a chronic condition that waxes and wanes, that um, and, and explaining the, the different types of, of treatments and the different ways that we that we want to control it. So with our diverse populations, with the immigrant populations, I think we have to spend a little bit more time um explaining what eczema is and and what is the best way to treat it and and really asking about how do they take care of their um of their skin the other important um issue is the the bathing practices which which may also be very very different in, in different uh in different cultures some cultures are very used to bathing very frequently um daily or even more than than once a day sometimes it's part of of, of religious uh practices um as well but other cultures may be used to bathing just a few times a week. Um, and we know that this is an important part of, of eczema management. In general, we recommend more frequent baths daily um, if possible. But, but I think we have to be mindful of these different practices or these different uh, preferences that a family uh, may have. Great. Thank you. Dr. Shredwell, any, anything to add to that? Two things that I will add um, to what the presentation that Dr. Fernandez Faith said. One is that I get asked very often from parents, what is my favorite moisturizer? And my answer is the one that you're gonna put on. Uh, Because as was mentioned, uh, it doesn't matter how great the product is. 
if it's not meeting the skin, then it not isn't going to have any um, possibility of helping the skin. Um, the other thing is um, that thinking about the bathing practices um, leading into what I'm going to talk about is what's available. Uh, do the do the families, are they staying somewhere where they're able to bathe as often as we would like? Uh, and uh, are they able to get the products? So that's one thing that's part of the presentation that was given. Great, thank you. Um, Dr. Trevor, I'm gonna stick with you for, for our sort of our next segment and wanted to have you sort of educate us a little bit. You know, we know that oftentimes, um, children, when they present um, with a dermatologic disease, may have actually more than one, or there may be other comorbidities. So wanted to have you highlight a little bit of those. And then for those that are listening um, that may have taken part in our previous atopic dermatitis quality improvement project, one of the things that we really focused on was the psychosocial impacts that um, a, a chronic disease like atopic dermatitis can have on children and their families. So just wanted to have you spend a few minutes and, and sort of teach us a little bit about that. One of the issues is sleep. And uh, looking at different literature, there are quotes as high as 60% of children who have eczema or atopic dermatitis have disturbed sleep. And many parents have told me if the child is not sleeping well, then they are not sleeping well. And so that's something to address, to try to look at um, that may in fact be a good segue when you're talking to the parents to ask them, what's the most um, bothersome thing about the, the skin that you're coming in for today so that you can look at their priorities um, versus what, what you, you know, what, what's in front of you. So you can look and see a really uh, dramatic skin or not so dramatic skin and have asked the parents what's the most what's your priority in terms of what you would like to get addressed today. And when you do that, uh, then that gives you the ability uh, to address what, what they're thinking about. We've already talked a little with skin of color that the pigmentation may be a larger issue than uh, what the practitioner might think. Uh, and so that's important to to address with the parent. Um, I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about the psychosocial issues. Uh, when the prescriptions, the treatments, the recommendations are made, I think be aware that there may be more than one caregiver. And because of that, if you have printed instructions, make sure you give enough. Um, for different households, daycare, um, and uh, other areas that the, the children might be in order that the parents are uh, able to transmit the information that you give. Um, the under-recognition of the erythema or what it might look like in skin of color, I can highlight with a case of mine. I had a child who had numular eczema, that's the coin-shaped eczema, not much erythema, a little bit of crusting with it, 
And this child went to the dentist. Um, the dental um, professionals looked at her skin and thought they looked like cigarette burns. And they actually reported the child to um, the uh, children's services. The child was taken from the home. And then uh, the parents and I, I, I wrote multiple letters and things in order uh, to be sure that, that the, at the um, children's services, that they were aware that it was a type of skin disorder. And so again, the recognition from the outside of what's going on with the skin um, put this child in, in jeopardy. Uh, and I think, again, the literature supports that um, children with skin of color are overrepresented in the um, foster care system. Wow, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Any comments or is there any um, evidence that you have that looks at um, the impact of atopic dermatitis on um, social interactions with kids or school performance? I think it's absolutely true that uh, skin disorders, uh, the looking, being able to see skin, being able to see breaking out on the skin, if it's in an area, many times it is, uh, where it's observable, then there's a worry from other children and other children's parents that it's contagious. And so those children will sometimes be ostracized because of their skin problems. No, I, I agree. And I'm, I, was, uh, I was always amazed, um, you know, during the COVID pandemic of, of how much we had to, to fight to, you know, get schools to be on board with, with taking sometimes this very seriously. But yet, you know, a child appears with a rash and, and the whole school sometimes, you know, wants to shut down. And so I think that's a very valid point. Um, Dr. Fernandez-Faith, anything um, sort of you want to add on comorbidities or psychosocial impacts that you've seen in your practice? Yeah, I, I think, you know, back, back to your, your last uh, question about um, how, how do they do in school, there, there's also studies that show that, that kids with eczema tend to have high rates of absenteeism from, from the school. So they miss school uh, more often than, than other kids. And, and unfortunately, this, is, this uh, disproportionately affects patients with, with skin of color um, as well. So that is, that is something that's, that's important to uh, to understand it, and not not only for the for the patient, but also for the parents, they may have to uh, miss uh, work uh, because they have to take their their child to the doctor or you know to to a healthcare facility for the care for the care of their eczema. So I, I think that is important also to to understand. Um, I, I think another uh, important part in the more in the social uh, in interactions is when we talk about adolescents with with eczema. Um, the, you know, many adolescents will like to use some makeup, for example, and sometimes some of the makeups may actually make things a little bit worse. So we have to be mindful of that, uh, that they, that they, it is an important component of, of their, of their social, um, development also, you know, it's particularly for, for adolescents, but also for children, but, uh, but for adolescents, sports and outdoor activities become very important in their school activities, their social activities, and not unusually Kids with eczema notice that these activities, the sweating, the outdoor exposures may make their eczema worse. So I think this is also important to, um, to understand and, and, and to educate the parents and, and the patient and to really try to find a way for them to be 
as socially engaged, as uh, involved in, in sports activities and physical activities without um, making their eczema uh, worse. The other part that gets really tricky with adolescents is what is the other condition that adolescents get? Acne. And it can be very tricky to treat a patient who has eczema and acne at the same time. And what I tell them is that it, it's, it's a balance, it's, it's a dance. So because things, one of the problems is that the way we treat acne, acne medications tend to be fairly irritating to the skin. So the, what we use for acne is gonna make their eczema worse. And sometimes what we use for eczema makes the acne worse. So we have to find that, that middle ground that we are tackling both at the same time without making the other one, the other one worse. So th this is uh, often a tricky, a tricky situation that, that and, and I think it's important to, to explain that things may go a little bit slower than they would like, because we really need to balance how we treat the acne and how we treat the, uh, the eczema at the same time. Great. I'm really glad you brought that up. I think that's very important. Thank you. And I just want to, you know, make one more comment about school. And I think it goes back to what Dr. Treadwell initially sort of kicked off the segment about and was talking about the impact on sleep. And, you know, and we all know lots of good data and, and you know, we see it in our practice all the time, right? That, that kids that aren't getting good sleep are often struggling in school because of that. So I think it just kind of leads to that. And I know in our, our second uh, part of this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit more about treatment, but since we sort of have been focusing on sleep a little bit, I just want to get your, um, thoughts on sort of what you recommend for your children, um, you know, that, that are having, you know, sort of this chronic paritic condition and struggling sleep, you know, do you recommend using Benadryl or hydroxyzine, um, you know, or, or just sort of treating the eczema? What's sort of your recommendations on, on sleep, um, you know, options for treatment for sleep issues in these, in these kids? Yeah, the, the the itch and the sleep disturbance and the you know not sleeping well at night it's a huge huge issue in patients with with eczema and and as Dr. Treadwell mentioned, this is something that affects not only the patient affects the entire family. If the child is not sleeping, nobody else is sleeping, and this it, it, it's a it's a big burden on the on the on the family. Um, the, we we've. I think we've gotten a lot more data and information on the use of, of antihistamines. And the, the way antihistamines work is really more, the way I explain it to parents, it's really more of a Band-Aid uh, to help a little bit with the, with the symptoms. The, what, what we don't want to, uh, the message that we don't want to give to the parents is, oh, give them this medication and he's gonna go to sleep or she's gonna go to sleep and the eczema is gonna be better. Um, sometimes we use sedating antihistamines when the child is having trouble falling asleep, just to kind of kickstart kick that, that sleep cycle so they can uh, rest um, a little bit better. But I think it is very, very important to not rely on these medications to get their eczema under control. I really like to focus with the parents that the itch is coming from the skin. We need to control the skin. We need to control the inflammation so that we can make the itch better. Um, I prefer to use non-sedating antihistamines in general, which can help many of these kids also have other atopic conditions, seasonal allergies, environmental allergies, so it can help with those symptoms um, as well. And really use the sedating antihistamines very sparingly and only um, if they are really having a bad flare or a really hard time falling asleep. Um, and, and I think we really want to focus on the skin, on getting the inflammation on the skin under control so that then the symptoms um, can get can get better and and you know here I think it's it's very important to to um, to understand and to really uh, tell tell the parents it is a lot of work it takes a lot of work to get 
eczema under under control. And I think just um, acknowledging that to the parents, I think that uh, validates their efforts and and that validates what they're what they're doing because it does take it does take a village to to control to control eczema. Um, and and what we don't want to get to is for parents to think that oh we I just give them this medication by mouth and and things are gonna gonna go away or gonna get better. Uh, we really want to focus on the on the skincare. Thank you, Dr. Treadwell. Any last comments on sleep? Um, I agree completely that um, the the sedating antihistamines I use them for the children to get to sleep. I've also uh, suggested to parents if the children wake up in the middle of the night to have a moisturizer that that um, instead of putting one antihistamine on top of the other is to to slather the kid down um, in the middle of the night um, because controlling the itching is what is affecting that sleep. Great. Well, I want to thank both of you um, for just a, a fantastic sort of presentation of atopic dermatitis, especially focusing on skin of color for the first part of our podcast. Wanted to kind of wrap up with maybe just each of you making sort of one or two sort of key takeaway points uh, for our listeners. Dr. Treadwell, I'll start with you. Um, the key takeaway points that I would mention, one is that the erythema may not be as obvious in skin of color and to recognize that there might be various uh, caregivers um, who are um, helping with the skin and to be sure to address everyone in the picture. Great, Dr. Fernandez Faith. Yes, so two important points are one, eczema is very common and particularly common in patients with skin of color and to understand that they may actually have more persistent or more, more severe forms of forms of eczema. And also to understand that eczema is really multifactorial. There's a lot of different factors that come into play. It's not just the skin, there's the, the environment, the microbiome, external agents, uh, genetic components. So understand that it's a, it's, it's a complex condition. Great. Well, um, I want to thank our audience uh, for listening to part one uh, of this podcast series and wanted to remind all of our listeners that if you're interested in learning more and potentially um, doing a deeper dive and helping to improve the care of children with atopic dermatitis, specifically with um, children of skin of color in your practice and earn some MOC part four credit, um, we would encourage you to visit our chapter website um, at ohioaap.org. You could then go to the program and education section and then the QI slash MOC4 section. And you will see not only um, enrollment information for this project, but all of our other QI projects that, that we're currently enrolling for. And the program link will also be available in the podcast notes. And would like to invite you back to listen to part two of this series, where our experts are gonna talk about treatment and health disparities, hot topics in atopic dermatitis, and new medications. So again, on behalf of the Ohio chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, I wanna thank you for listening and we hope to see you soon.